Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Well, awesome. How's everybody doing this morning? Thanks for being here at the second service. And uh, boy, I, I just feel like that last song we sung, I, th- there was a lot more people singing than what's right here. That's for sure. I think uh, that, was, uh, that was awesome. Thanks for coming ready to worship with us. Um, that is, uh, man, that was good. And for the team leading us into, into God's presence. So if you're here, if you're visiting with us, um, welcome to Crossroads. We'd love to talk to you, answer any questions that you have. We are transitioning this morning. Um, we were in a, a series on discipleship. We've been journeying the disciples as they're following Jesus through um, on his way, I should say, to Jerusalem, to the cross, and to the resurrection. We kind of hit the end of Luke uh, last Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, we're going to pick that story up this morning into a new series, Gather Together. And uh, this morning, we're just kind of answer this question, now what? Now that uh, Easter's over with, what do we do with that? What do we do with the reality of the resurrection? What do we do with the reality of the gospel, right, itself in our lives? Is death, is resurrection? Um, what does that look like? Well, what, how did the early church, how did the disciples and the others, how did they respond, right, to uh, Resurrection Sunday? How did they respond to Jesus' death and his resurrection is uh, what we want to look at. And just the challenge and the hope to understand, I think, for all of us is to realize the magnitude of of, of what took place for us on that Resurrection Sunday and on that Good Friday of his death on the cross to realize the magnitude of that, of what he offers you, the promises of a new life, not just when he returns and for eternity, but right now. And we're going to see as we journey in this series through the book of Acts, we're going to pick it up and continue to follow them as they become the church, as they gather together and they answer the now what um, and they carry on the mission of Christ, we're going to fall and see the response. And we can just say this is nothing was the same. Nothing was the same. Their entire life changed and the inside out, their perspective, their hope, their joy, all of that changed. Even when they gathered together, what happened when they gathered together, it changed, Right? And there should be no difference, really, with us. And so I just throw that out and lob it out there in, um, in this series just to think about, let us not come back a year from now and to be able to look back on this last year and not to be able to say, man, my life's changed. I'm closer to Jesus. And I, I've seen more of his kingdom. And I'm more, as Luke, the end of Luke says, a burning heart. My heart's more on fire for God this year than it was last year. I know more of the price he paid on that cross. I know more of the power of, of uh, the cross and the gospel to, to break the power of sin in my life. I know more of the liberation, the freedom that Jesus promises in my life. I know it more for others as well. And I know more of the fear of death being conquered in my life and in those around me. I know more. I've walked walked with him, and life is not the same. And folks, that should be every year of our life, right? Not to say we don't have valleys in our life, but valleys are to make us stronger, to draw us closer, right, to him in the, in the midst of this process. And so I'm going to just dive right in. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. And pick up this narrative of uh, what's, what's happened to the disciples. And uh, I'm going to focus just on one. Whoa, well, it went away. It's somewhere there. On one slide. Oh, well, uh, 
bring me back, if you can, there to just three words. Right, let me go to the next one here. Let's try. There it is. Oh, sorry. I'll go back. Okay, we'll get it done. So these three things. How did, how did the early church respond? We're going to jump into Acts chapter 1. And uh, folks, after Jesus' resurrection, the scripture tells us that he appeared to the church for 40 days. Now, think about that, 40 days, how important that is in the Bible, a preparatory time, 40 days changes something before, 40 days later, something should change. You see this all through the scripture, the power of 40 days throughout uh, the Old and New Testament. He appeared to them in his resurrected body. So let me just bring us into that moment. Think about this for a minute. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that he at one time appeared to over 500 witnesses at one time. He appeared to all of the apostles in the early church itself, and he would just drop in. You never know. He's going to drop in for dinner or something, right? For 40 days, and we're going to see he taught them about the kingdom of God. That is the primary thing that he he taught them during that time. And... um, 40 days, and, and he's teaching them. He's getting them ready for his ascension, right? And, uh, and then he told them to wait. And we know, they didn't know at the time, but it, it was 10 days until Pentecost. And they waited and prayed 10 days until the Spirit of God came down and boom, right? Um, nothing was the same after that where the Spirit of God baptized the early church in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we will continue to journey, right, with the rest of the story as the church moved out in mission becoming this example of the kingdom of God, right, on, on earth. And uh, so this is where we pick up. And so when we look at chapter one, I'm gonna look at verses one through 14 this morning. And then we're gonna bounce out to Daniel chapter two in the Old Testament and get our arms around what possibly could be some of this kingdom teaching that Jesus taught the early church. And uh, to one of my favorite stories, and Daniel's one of my favorite books. So we're gonna step back into all of that. But here's the three things to lay hold of. Kingdom unity, we see this. How did the church respond? is that they gathered in one accord. We're going to see this here, is the thing that the unit, remember, without unity, we have nothing. Jesus prayed, John 17, may they be one, right? And boy, we've lived through a year of fighting for unity and really confused about what actually unifies, right, in our, in our country, in our churches, right? So kingdom unity. The second one is community prayer. As Jesus made it, was real clear that my church is to be a house of prayer. And uh, we're to pray together. You see when the church, and we're going to see with Daniel and his buddies, that when they gathered, they prayed with great expectation. That's the third one. We'll see faithful waiting in the sense that there is an expectation. Whether we get an immediate answer or not, we're waiting with faith that God is going to be true to his promises, that he's going to answer our prayers, that he's going to be among us as we gather together, whether it's in a smaller group of us at a home or whether it's a larger gathering. These three things should be our rightful response, things that we're working for, things that we're seeing happen for a healthy church, a right response to um, Jesus' death and his resurrection. And we see this modeled all through, right? The uh, the New Testament, and especially the book of Acts. So let me drop us in here into Acts chapter one. Luke uh, wrote the gospel of Luke, and he picks up, he also wrote the, the book of Acts. And uh, this is where we step in. He's, and he's writing his book to a friend of his, Theophilus. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
So there it is. That's the primary thing that he talked about. And folks, we need to understand that the gospel, most of us have grown up in church and we hear at the center of church is Jesus. Yes, true. At the center of that is the gospel itself of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's true. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we see through the New Testament, is called the gospel of the kingdom. It's bigger than just the forgiveness of your sins. It's much, much bigger. The good news that the church that we're to be about goes far beyond the forgiveness of sins, what Jesus did for us on the cross and his resurrection. That's what liberates us. That's what brings us into salvation, right? Into the family of God. But then the bigger story, the good news in all this, right? Is that there's a coming kingdom. The good news, right? That the church is to model and to proclaim is that there is a kingdom coming, and the book of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us it cannot, you have a kingdom that's unshakable. It's unshakable. It's God's kingdom. And Jesus is returning with his kingdom until then the church. And again, we're going to drop into this in the book of Acts. The church is, be, is to be the representation of the kingdom of God on earth. The church is to be representing the kingdom of God. And so when God's people gather together, there should be tastes of the kingdom. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, stuff that all the fruit of the spirit, right? Should be the, there should be grace in this place, right? There should be a, a community where people can step in. It doesn't matter who they are, they're welcomed. The family of God should be represented there on mission for God. There should be great expectation for the impossible to be done. There should be an expectation that God is going to crash in just like he suddenly showed up in those 40 days. Guess what? He, that doesn't change. He still does that today. The question is, is the church in America expecting Jesus to show up? Do we come and man, how are you going to show up this morning? How are you going to show up this morning? And do we come with expectation that our prayers, what we've been praying for, that God's going to meet us in a special way when we gather with his people, right? Is that suddenly coming as we're going to see here, right? Is where's that expectation today? And let me tell you right now, nobody's going to leave the church. No youth, young person or older person is going to fray from the church if they're hungry for God and they've experienced the demonstration of the power of God and the presence of God and the kingdom of God when God's people come together. Nobody's, that's what everybody's looking for. Ultimately, is that authentic thing instead of just the same old thing, the same old ritual, the same old liturgy right? Never do we see that in the scripture of God. We see God's people in worshiping him, gathering in community, lifting him up and expecting him to speak in and through his children, right? To, to one another. It tells us in the book of Revelation chapter one, G, uh, as John is talking about the revelation given to him by Jesus, he says, he's made us a kingdom and priests unto his God. And that that is our primary duty. We're to see ourselves now as priests. What does, that, what does that mean, right? It means that we are to be people who minister to God and minister to each other. We minister to God and we minister to each other. And how do we do that? We do that by the Holy Spirit. And how do we do that? We do that through the gifts of the Holy Spirit to one another and to God, right? That is the work of the kingdom that is to be vibrant. And when we get a hold of that and we stop fighting about that and give ourselves to that, guess what? Jesus shows up. The power of the spirit of God, right? Shows up in the midst of God's church when we're being the church and he interrupts and he moves and he blesses and he does the, the miraculous and is, well, we're going to follow along in this story. And so today we need this, this recovery of a unity in the church. Folks, we've been in a year now where the church has been been critically divided, right? 
Where's the unity? Jesus says, Lord, may they be one. And what's happened, this little test we went through this last year, it has, it, it has just shown how divisive, how weak the church in America is. And as the Lord Jesus said, you, come, you look at the other believers around the world, I get reports every single week. They're looking at America and going, what the heck is going on there? And to realize that, but do they even believe there any longer? Is there faith in America, right, any longer for the kingdom and what he would do? And folks, I, I believe God's doing something great. When turmoil happens, guess what? It means that God is stirring the pot in the kingdoms of the world to crash his kingdom in and to bring genuine revival and some change and movement, right, that needs to happen in this, in this world. And so Jesus taught them about this kingdom, and we're going to look at what, that, um, what that's a little bit about here this morning. And he says, while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. There it is. We do not like waiting, right? I know I do not like waiting. I want some action. I want some result, right? God's people all through the, 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 all the way up to the book of Revelation, endure, endure. Those who endure to the end, those who wait, those who are patient upon the Lord, those who wait upon his empowerment, those who go after and expect him to come, faith is represented in waiting, Father Abraham, we'd start with him, waited how long to receive the promise of God? And it said while he waited, his strength, his faith, actually, in the end, it actually grew, right? That has to be restored, right? This idea of waiting, faithful waiting, right? And we see this um, modeled here already in the church. It says, but wait, do not depart, but wait for the promise of the Father, which Jesus says, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We gotta stop all this rigmarole, lack of faith, talking and disturbed about the language of the baptism of the Spirit. Bottom line is, we need his power. And we need to wait upon it. We need to go after it. And we don't need to be arguing about whether he does this or that today. We should all just, it should be real clear, we need an outpouring of his power upon us today, right? And this is what we see modeled in the church. They were only able to do what they were able to do because they waited and expected God to empower them, right? To bring his Holy Spirit right upon them. And so when they had come together, folks, hold on to it. Look how much, as we read through this book, the importance of come together. Uh, in the scriptures, if you were saved immediately, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, you were baptized, right? You were brought into the family of God. There is no such thing as being saved and remaining isolated, removed from the body of Christ, okay? That is not an option in, um, in the gospel and in the scriptures. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now this is just hilarious. He's been teaching about the kingdom and they still don't get it, right? They still have the same question, but, 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 but what about our country? Right? What about our politics? What, what about you destroying these Romans uh, right, and ending this uh, oppression that we're in right now, right? And, and Jesus, he doesn't just kind of get into it. He just refocuses and says, now, gang, this is not for you to set times. This is only for the Father to know. Let me, I need you to focus. I need you to focus and be the representation of a whole new kingdom, whole new kingdom that is not of this world. It's not about restoring any of the earthly kingdoms. They will rise, they will fall. Every single one, America will fall. We're falling, Simple as that. 
Our hope is not in America. It's not in any nation in the world. Scripture is real clear. The history of the world is clear, right? God raises kingdoms up and he makes them crash and fall. And all of throughout history, you can look at it, is God is stepping in. And we're going to see here as we look at ancient Babylon, one of the greatest kingdoms on the earth, is God stepped in to give the ruler, a pagan ruler, a vision of the kingdom of God, right, to wake it up. All of these turmoils. This last year, what is this? This is God involved. This is God involved stirring the pot. America, you gonna wake up? You gonna wake up and realize that I'm out here? Because no nation in the history of the world continues to disobey God without God coming in judgment. You cannot continue to give the Heisman to, that's a football analogy, to God and, uh, and expect God not to come like he has with all nations of the world in his time, in his way, right? And so he refocuses them. Right on this, again, kingdom unity. Get focused on the kingdom of God. What does Jesus say in Matthew 6, Seek first. What? America? Restoration? Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, do not misunderstand what I'm saying this morning because anytime we get into this, somebody always misunderstands. Be a good citizen. Be involved. But seek first. Do not let any priority any political endeavor, right, surpass first and foremost seeking the kingdom of God. And no church should be taken over by restoring the constitution or something like that. That is nowhere in here. We're going to deal with that in just a minute. Yes, certain people who feel called that, go for it or whatever it is. But the church needs to focus first and foremost and always on the kingdom of God. We are to represent this kingdom, not any political party, not any political agenda, as I said, America will fall. We're falling, right, in our prominence. Will, will God give us a dispensation of revival? I don't know, you know, but you know what? Again, what are we to focus on? We're to focus on the coming king, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, and let us, right, be the light, the kingdom of God on earth for those who are hungry and bound up, thinking that some kind of political endeavor, some kind of legislation is actually going to bring hope and peace in this world. Never, never has Yes, don't get me wrong. We're to be involved. We're to work all that effort. But until the kingdom comes, the kingdoms of the world will war and rise and fall and they will never bring peace and they will never bring hope, period. They never have and they never will. And they only the kingdom, right, that is, that is coming. But he says this, refocus, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, right, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In other words, you will be my witness. You'll be my spokespeople about this coming kingdom, this good news. Look, is you should know from history that there's not much hope when it comes to man and his governments and his kingdoms, right? They're, just give me some hope whenever, just throughout history. You know history? What, what have we done? No kingdom has ever brought peace. No kingdom has ever lasted very long, ultimately, right? Before it fell, before it crumbled, before it went decadent, right? And you'd think, and this is the staggering thing, you'd think you'd watch what we're doing, right? Where we're going as a country. Can you tear down the American family? Can you tear down the godly vows and expect that culture is gonna go in a healthy way? Never will, never has. Again, I wanna say to the, to the secular progressives is show me the vision, Show me what the ultimate outcome is, the, the vision that you're, all this legislation, everything we're talking about, show me what it's, where it's going. Show me any example and out throughout history when you do what we've done as a nation when it comes to marriage, family, and go down the list of things. Show me any example anywhere in the world where that has proved healthy or good. None. And there never will be. 
Because God will judge it, just like he has in Rome or anywhere else, right? When we move away, right, from his plan, his kingdom. But the church is to not be this, this negative thing all the time. Yes, we're to call things out that are ungodly, absolutely, boldly. But more than anything, we are to call people into the beautiful community of God's family, the kingdom that's represented here for prayer, for ministry, for that we would become. Next week, we're going to look at this beautiful idea of the new creation, what God has for us, what he wants to do to make us a new creation, this glorious good news of, man, God wants to get a hold of you and set you free. I mean, really free, like, like heal you. Like, like make you a beautiful, incredible creature. Start bringing alive the eternal thing that he has for you, right, in, inside, right? He wants to do that in you, right? And, and this good news of the kingdom, that is kingdom stuff, right? That we become something we can never do on our own. Only God working in us could do it, right? And that's the power of right testimony. And so he goes on, he gives them the mission, stay focused, people on the kingdom mission. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Now he's on the Mount of Olives when he's doing this. This is about, a, as we're gonna see, a Sabbath day walk. It's just, if you've been to Jerusalem, it's the east side of the, of the town. This is where he would always go through the olive groves up there and teach his disciples in the Mount of Olives. Old Testament tells us this is exactly where Jesus will return with his kingdom. It says his feet will plant when he returns on the Mount of Olives. This is where he ascended. And so this makes sense of what we're about to read here while they were gazing into heaven he went and behold two men angels stood by in white robes men of Galilee why do you stand or looking into heaven this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven folks what that what the that proclamation to the disciples to the church was listen Right? He's gone up to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's waiting to bring his kingdom, the presence of God, to this earth again. Until then, you've got some work to do. You are my kingdom. You are my children on this earth to represent my kingdom and the taste of heaven here until I return. Right? And this is what he's trying to get a hold of them on. So, what, how do they respond? They return to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, um, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord, there's the unity, right? They, they came together, there was unity. You know, the church can never, we, without unity, we don't have much. Where's the unity in America? Let me tell you something right now. Nobody has a clue how to unify America. All we do is talk more and more diversity. Guess what? All we're doing is dividing America more and more. We have a clue, right? Because there's only one united kingdom in all the world, and that's the kingdom of God. And it will never be ultimately united. We'll never have this beautiful, perfect union of unity and diversity that is given in the Trinity, three and one, unity, diversity, perfect. Until he returns, we'll never lay hold of it perfect. Man can only try, and when we do, we get out of balance, and we actually make it worse. Things are not going right in the right direction there because we've rejected the one and only one, right, who has an answer for these things, right? It says they all with one accord, they, they were getting it. They were circled up around Jesus teaching on the kingdom and being king to people and waiting. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know specifically that the Holy Spirit was going to come ten, ten days later, right? On the day, of, the exact day of Pentecost, right? Another feast of the Lord. That's a whole other fulfillment of prophecy we could get into, right? But get this, they were devote one accord and they were devoting themselves, there it is, to prayer together 
with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And we know, we read on, it's about 120 people, right? At this point, Jesus' own, own family, right? All the, his brothers and sisters that came after he was born to Mary were, are, are a part. They've finally seen the light, right? The resurrected is like, okay, we get it now. <laughs> he, you are not just our brother, you know, a physical brother, but uh, wow, you're, you're, you're the guy, right? And they, uh, and they came and were a part of the church, right? Um, and, you know, mom, I know you told us so. We get it now. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, as a mother, right? Listen to mother. Um, so, this is what we want to do. Um, I, I want to, I, I hope you see these three things. And we're going to dive in more about the community of prayer, the importance, folks, of praying together. And just a little side note here. Man, folks, when we're praying into something, is do we have the habit of realizing in, all through the New Testament, we're going to see this with Daniel and his, his bros, that, man, when it was time to go after something, you called in the troops, it wasn't this isolated time and devotion. You had a prayer team. You didn't make any decision in life. You wanted God's confirmation. You invited God's people. Hey, pray with me on this, right? Do I need to make this move? Do I need to do this or that? Pray with me. I want confirmation. I want to step out unless God confirms this, right? And, um, and so we see that's the power of prayer, praying into things, right, as, as the church. And so the book of Daniel let's flip over. Chapter two, you can follow along if you have your Bible um, this morning. And just a little history. I want to talk, focus this morning on this idea of kingdom unity, how this so desperately needs to be recovered, right, um, in our day and age. About 605 BC is when um, Daniel was taken captive. He was a youth. Now, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his buddies, they all were teenagers. Let that sink in. Teenagers. They were part of the royal family. They were smart. They'd been trained. They'd been given privilege. And um, when the reigning Babylonians came in to wipe out, by the way, God's uh, nation, Israel, God told them, even his own nation, right? If they continue to go against him, they will be wiped out and it's going to be ugly. And this is exactly what happened. The time for the reckoning had come, 605 BC. This was the first of several invasions, right? And actually, there's a few even before this. And, uh, and when they came in, they usually wipe everybody out, but they keep pagan um, rulers would take some of the royals, smart people and others, and beautiful people, and they would take them, especially when they were young, old people, we got wiped out. And they uh, took the young people in, and they tried to assimilate them and use that gifting um, to, you know, uh, basically brainwash them into the ways of Babylon. And this is what happened to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you step into chapter one, you know, again, teenagers, teenagers, okay? They had just been through some gruesome, probably seeing their families all slaughtered, their entire city, everything they knew, the temple, everything slaughtered in a way that we have no concept of. And then taken, right, to exile into a pagan land, which was the most, for them, was the most ungodly place on earth. Babylon was one of the largest kingdoms on the face of the earth ever in all of history, uh, a pretty spectacular kingdom, though very pagan. And uh, you know the story that they were brought into the king's house, they were given the king's food, and they, they bound together, these four guys, they, in this extreme of extreme, teenagers, 
because of faith in God. They, they, they hold, they, they kept, and if you read chapter one, you get into they didn't take the king's food. We want to be set apart. We don't want to defile ourselves with that. We want to stay holy before God. And, and they had favor. They got favor and God blessed them and blessed them. And verse 17 of chapter one, I pray this, we, we pray this over our kids. For, for these four youths, God gave them learning. Listen to this. Does your child struggle with learning? Start praying the promises of God. God gave them learning. And he says, and gave them skill in all literature, all vast knowledge, and wisdom. And Daniel was given the understanding in all visions and dreams. God is a good God. We have not because we ask not, right? And... um, so just a little, little side note here, okay? Just a word for those watching and here to teenagers. Especially in the season here, about another f- few weeks when some of our seniors are headed off to college, a whole new era as such, taken from their home and planted into a foreign environment. I just want to be as bold as I can, and I know I'll be mis- misinterpreted here, but I'm just going to lay it out for you as clear as I can. If a child leaves... And when they go off to college, if a priority has not been set inside their soul and their heart, that the most important thing they need to do is they need to gather with others in faith, in, in uh, faith friends and blessing. If they try to go off to a college, especially in America today, they will not stand in the faith. They will fall. There is no exception to this. The most important thing is to have faith friends, especially if you are in a foreign environment that today, any higher education you go to, there is forces, just clear, blatant forces to rip apart faith, right? These teenagers went with faith. Expect, right, when there is strength, even even four, all you need is four, but we're gonna get together, we're gonna pray, and we're not gonna defile ourselves with the things of the world. Listen to me, graduating seniors. We got a higher thing we're going for. We're going to be kingdom people. We're going to give ourselves to what God wants us, and we're going to let Daniel be our example. If he did it back then, he was looking for Daniel's all today to be raised up, right? And even as a teenager, young person, be able to speak into leaders, right, in our country. But this is the favor of God that transcends learning or anything, right, inside our our government. So it doesn't matter what good is it if you go to this great school, get this great degree, do some great business and everything, but you lose your soul. What good is that? When it's all said and done, what is if you advance and do all kinds of things in the kingdom of the world, but when it's all said and done, your soul is, you've lost it. And you've gone the way of the culture rather than standing for God, right? We have to restore this back and understand this is warfare. This is warfare. And, and when, when we shoot somebody out from our household, we see real quick, right, what, what's gonna happen there. It's warfare. And the most important thing we can do is pray. God, circle them up. Circle them up, right, with the house of God. And again, if you look at all stats, young people are fleeing the church in great numbers today. The nons and all this kind of thing. Well, I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, it's because the church, we have not presented the kingdom of God like we need to. We haven't been about that, right? And, um, and we've lost, we've gotten out of the battle to understand what's really important here, right, for us. So take this as encouragement, This is not just Daniel. This is anyone who wants, right, the things of God and the promises of God. And it just comes down to, I live for the kingdom of God. I want his blessings. It's gonna take a stand. Look what Daniel, look what these guys went through. It's some serious stuff, right? 
So let's move into chapter two. So these guys are, are, are God's blessing, favoring them, even at a young age, blessing them in their influence in this very pagan country. They're encouraging, praying for each other. Man, their life is even on the line and they stand. You go to chapter three, you see the, the, um, <clears throat> the fiery furnace, right? These guys, as someone, uh, I think you even prayed here just the beginning, um, you know, is that, man, you're gonna throw us in here, God, and God can save us whether he does or not. Guess what, king, we're not bowing to you. We're not bowing to this progressive culture. We're not bowing to, what culture tells me I should do with my body and everything else and for pleasure I'm going to stand on God's word and whether he says me or not guess what I'm standing with God that's a Daniel spirit where is that today we should expect that pray that right today we need people like this young people don't forfeit don't just fall into the entitlement wimpy you know uh, whatever it is is goes on all the junk out there today is man come with faith expect God to do something he'll strengthen you make a stand even if life is on the line that's faith that's it right and um, so let's go to chapter two this gets really wild so um, they, they, God keeps favoring them and um, God gives Nebuchadnezzar a dream the king it's a dream that torments him. And just take some time, I don't have time to get into it, but go into chapter two and, and uh, just, just soak it up here. So uh, what I'm reading, why I'm going here, because when it says that Jesus, in that 40 days that he taught them, he had to get them into one accord about unity around the kingdom of God, what this is all about. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament, it wasn't written yet. So they had the Old Testament. So he's revealing to them that his fulfillment of the old time, he's making it all come together. And remember in the last chapter of, of Luke, it says, man, were our hearts not burning when he was showing us the Old Testament, right? And so um, what I'm doing is I'm dropping in here to say, hey, I bet this is just one of the many passages and stories that Jesus shared with the um, early church to show them the understanding of the kingdom of God and his fulfillment of it. And so back to Daniel is the king gets this amazing dream and the dream is this dream. He gets this dream of this, of this image and it's the statue and it is a head of gold and, and it goes down to a body of silver and a midsection of bronze and thighs of iron and, and then feet of clay and iron. And, and, and then he saw in his dream this, this little stone cut out, not by human hands, very important. And this little stone comes and it crashes the feet of this statue and the whole thing crumbles to the ground and, and, and so Nebuchadnezzar, it troubled him so much and he was so tired of his, his cabinet of uh, magicians and uh, advisors that he knew they were yes men and cowering to him is that he was so disturbed, he says, listen, I need you to interpret this for me. Now, oh, king, just tell us what your dream is and we'll give you, you, know, we'll give you something lofty and wonderful. And he was tired of all that. He says, listen, no, I need you to tell me the actual dream and the interpretation. But king, nobody can do that. This is so awesome, okay? This is where God steps in. This is where God's people need to step in. When no earthly powers can do anything, God's people should step in. But we know God, a living God like Daniel. Again, he's a young man. Look what he's doing. He's stepping into it all. You know, <clears throat> but God is a God of the impossible, right? So what happens is all these, is, is he, he plans to just wipe out all of the wise men, all of his cabinet, just kill them. Sends his guy out, Arioch, to go wipe them out. This is how it works in most of the world and kingdoms. And, um, <clears throat> um, and uh, Dan Daniel gets word of this because he and his buddies are about to die. And he, um, and what is his first response? He says, go tell him, give, let me have a little time and I'll bring it by faith. I'll bring it to the king. But what does he do next? He gathers his faith friends. Guys, let's pray. God needs to intervene. 
And they pray, and in the midst of their praying, Daniel, God shows up, gives him, gives him this incredible revelation that please go read the details of it. Daniel shows up to the king. Oh, king, no man could ever... Now listen how Daniel speaks to the king. He's not some yes man. He's not some politician. He's not some progressive, whatever guy that's bringing you know, a, a political agenda to the, to the plate. He's coming as a prophet of God operating under a different kingdom than the kingdom of Babylon. He knows his place and he knows his kingdom lasts forever and can't be shaken. Oh king, no man has been able to brought this to you, but the living God bring this to you. And, uh, and he shared the, the dream and then the interpretation um, of the dream that uh, you're, you, king, are the king of the top, the head of this statue. But there's a kingdom coming, king. Pay attention, humble yourself. That little stone, your kingdom is gonna fall. Whoa. And the kingdom of the little stone, by the way, look at the New Testament. The stone that the builders rejected is building a new kingdom. Right, And that kingdom, Daniel says, will last forever. So just real quick, I don't have time to get into it. The Babylonian kingdom, it goes down to silver. The next big kingdom that came along was the Medo-Persian kingdom. The next kingdom was the kingdom of Greece. These were all major worldwide kingdoms. And guess what's next? The Roman Empire, one of the greatest empires right, that's ever lived. And after that, it goes to clay and iron. A little Rome, a little bit of powerful kingdom, but oh, that's pretty weak. And we don't have any other kingdoms after that. Why is that? Because until this, this gap between Rome until the end, you go to the book of Revelation, we're gonna get into this, right? It talks about Babylon again. Babylon's resurrected again, right? Rome, right, was, was uh, called uh, Babylon. <clears throat> the New Testament writers saw Rome as Babylon. So any kingdom in between now, it's just, it's just clay. Oh, America is powerful, but you know what? It's a lot of clay. And guess what? We're losing that influence every single day. Right. What happened to the British Empire? Right. Go down the list. Right. Until the final evil empire comes, the coalescing of the world's ways, right, and power to when the kingdom of God comes and establishes itself forever. That's the good news. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's Hebrews 12. That is our focus. That is what we're working towards. That is what we are to be proclaimers of, right? So here is question for us is why did God give this pagan king that dream? Why? Why? Now, do you think it's any coincidence that, that Daniel, Shadrach, Rish, do you think they were praying for, for their nation? Do you think they were praying for their king? Especially when they were on the court to advise him. And so God gives him, it's simply by the grace of God, when God stirs the pot, anytime you have turmoil in the, in the world, it is God stirring the pot that should awaken people to, you got one way to go. And this last year, the churches in America has been tested. I think it's pretty pathetic where we've landed. We've been tested, and guess what? It, you're either gonna fall out and you're gonna put your security in the things of the world, or you're gonna put your security in the things of God and the kingdom of God is gonna be restored, right? And, and as far as a priority. So listen carefully um, to this and don't misunderstand me. President Trump, he had a group of Christian advisors around him and those Christian advisors were mainly yes people. They were mainly people that were Christian nationalists. They had blended the cross and the flag together. You never blend the cross and the flag. The cross and the kingdom of God doesn't blend with any earthly kingdom ever, ever. Okay, and that whole patriotism thing got taken way out of line. Right Now what's interesting is President Biden has just a whole different thing. Every Christian advisor, and we, there's a few exceptions here, but very few. 
But today, as far as I know, every advisor around, um, uh, as far as religious advisor around um, President Biden, is are progressive Christians. They're all about blending the culture values with the government in, into the church. The church bowing to the cultures, right? Folks, what we need today, when the church comes together to be the kingdom, is we need prophets like Daniel. We need men and women who seek the kingdom of God and who boldly step into politics and any other aspect of the world, not pushing an agenda of a certain political party, but pushing the kingdom of God and being bold prophets, speakers into what the kingdom of God is coming, a warning, a blessing, good news, right? But we need the rising up, right? of that kind of voice today. That's what the church should be focused on, is what is God doing here? We're honoring him, like, just like Daniel said. They're the example. This is what Jesus was telling the early church, and like this little stone, the kingdom of God, it's coming, it's unshakable. That's the kingdom I need you to focus on. That's the kingdom I need you to be prophets for. We get into chapter one further in the book, of, chapter two, book of Acts, right? Holy Spirit hits what happens. Now everybody he expects to prophesy. Everybody he expects to be a kingdom of priests, people who are speaking the kingdom of God blessings into this world and not being conformed to one part, any political party, but only the kingdom of God. Now, don't get me wrong, folks, but we need to be citizens involved. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? This last year, we've, we've, we've seen the ugliness of both sides. And this, these are the two forces right now, Christian nationalism, which is an abomination to God. You don't blend the cross and the flag ever. And the other side is Christian progressivism. Right, which is just basically blending in with the culture, that that is the strongest one now. Both of these, the church has to cleanse itself from, right? And we need to be focused on the kingdom of God, being people of the kingdom, right? And encouraging people, ministering to each other, expecting God. What does he say? When Acts came, it says that now, now that the Spirit of God has come, you need to be a people of visions, dreams. Right, it's a whole restoration of what we see Daniel modeling here. I believe Jesus was talking to him and says, guys, you see what happened to Daniel? You see that little stone? This is what I'm, I'm bringing this kingdom and this is about my kingdom. You see how Daniel prophesied? Not only just a few people in the Old Testament can be prophets, but guess what? Now the Spirit's come, all of you can. That's why in 1 Corinthians 14, it, one, he says, right, pursue the earnestly desire, right? It is a command of God that you may give word of the kingdom, a prophetic word of the kingdom of God into the different spheres of our world and expect dreams, expect God to speak, right? His kingdom is to be ushered in, right? And to be modeled within his church, okay? I know that's a lot to think about, but this is the one accord. We are to gather. And what's happened in the church, sadly, you'll come on is that we have experienced so much division, the church across America this last year, because we fought over masks, we fought over political party stuff. We have not united around what the kingdom of God would do and how would the early church respond to turmoil? Well, we look through the whole, well, we look all through the book of Acts. Let me just tell you, the book of Acts, the church was in violation of the laws of the land every single week. They gathered. And they spoke and they went after the kingdom of God and they moved towards the turmoil, expected God to speak, expected God to do, right, great things among them, right? That has to be restored, right? Has to be restored to, to his church today to unite around. We're people of a different kingdom. My hope is not in this world. It's not in America. It's not in my political, you know, the things that, that I agree. We're to be involved. Don't get me wrong. We're to vote, be good citizens, but man, I've got to keep the priority. And that's why it's important to gather so that we encourage each other and stay focused. 
what God has for us. So Father, we just come to you, we worship you, we praise you. Lord, may your kingdom come. Make us kingdom people. Lord, Holy Spirit, lit just like we see your early church, lit dreams and visions. Lord, let your spirit flow, God. Let your people come into hearing your voice, speaking your word prophetically, powerfully into this culture. Lord, your word does not return void. It's powerful, it moves, it changes, it transforms. God, restore these things. Unify your people, God. Lord, for, the, your, for this day and age that we can be your people, Lord. We cannot miss out, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Encourage us, convict us. Burn, and let our hearts burn, Lord. The truth of your word to be your people, God. Love you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.